Hey, it's Haley from the future here. I wanted to pop in really fast and let you know that this is a very old episode of mine. So please keep that in mind whenever you are listening. Please go ahead and check out some of my newer episodes because I have a ton of equipment now and I have editing software now and everything has improved quite a lot since the time of recording this episode. I have found that a lot of my negative reviews come from my older episodes, so please just keep that in mind. I am aware of the problems in these episodes, and I truly was doing the best I can. I was just recording on my iPhone, and I was editing from my phone as well, and it just really was not a great process for creating a super high-quality and produced podcast. So thank you so much for the grace that you're going to give me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and please go ahead and listen to some of my newer episodes as well. Hi everyone, welcome to the Doe Identify podcast. I am here with a very special guest, my childhood best friend, Lauren. Say hi. Hi everybody. (laughs) So she will be here to pronounce this Jane Doe's last name because spoiler alert, um, she has gotten her DNA tested and she has like probably two dozen, would you say Lauren, last names that are very Hispanic sounding? Yeah, I would say a couple. I'm looking at them right now, and um, I don't have any, like, Hispanic in me, but I am a school teacher, and I have a degree where it allows me to teach English to people who don't speak English, so I do work a lot with um, a bunch of different ethnicities and people from a bunch of places, so obviously, as a school teacher, you're used to pronouncing a bunch of names really wrong, so mm-hmm. I'm ready for this. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I brought Lauren on here, one, because I wanted to have such a special first-time guest, and then too, because she is highly skilled in saying all of this. And you took Spanish for like a ton of years too. I remember I did, that in high school. I, I mean, some of these names I have never seen before, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah. That's, I said that in my last podcast Dang. episode and I, I didn't want to be offensive. Yeah, yeah. But so Lauren is on FaceTime audio with me. Um, I live in a completely different state than her now, unfortunately, and I'm about to move across the country from her too, and so she's on FaceTime audio, so I'm hoping that the quality continues to be pretty good and that you guys can hear her okay, Um, but so without further ado, I will just go ahead and get started. Lauren, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so on July 18th, 1980, at 12.40 p.m., the Ventura County Sheriff's deputies responded to a report where a teacher actually found a deceased young woman in the parking lot of their local high school called Westlake High School. And they estimate that she was between the ages of 15 and 25. So most reports say that she was 5'2", so just keep that in mind. And this woman is now known as the Ventura County Jane Doe of 1980. And I do want to note there is another Ventura County Jane Doe, but she is the Ventura County Jane Doe of 1981. And I looked at both cases, and these two women actually have so much in common, even down to like their race and age group. Um, so it can be definitely very confusing, but just note that this Ventura County Jane Doe that I'm talking about today is the one from 1980. And so, so scary that there can be more than one in the same year in the same county. I know. And what this Jane Doe looked like, so you guys can maybe see if you knew her or, um, if you have a family member who went missing, she had brown eyes and black shoulder length hair with bleached tips. 
And so I noticed I did look at the crime scene photos and she did have bigger lips. I'm not sure if it was because she was swollen or anything, but in the sketch that the police department released, she did have bigger lips. So that's something to keep in mind. And she had extensive dental work. And unfortunately she was four months pregnant with a boy whenever she passed away. And there was evidence of a prior pregnancy scar, um, probably from a C-section. And she also had scars from vaccination, so she did have access to healthcare. And her DNA was tested by the DNA Doe Project. I'm so happy that they took her case on. I absolutely love them. And it was found that she was 60% Native American and likely had a Hispanic father. And she had very small amounts of Sub-Saharan African and Asian ancestry. And I'm going to take this as a very small amount. And that's why they clarified that. Because believe it or not, I have Sub-Saharan African and Asian ancestry as well, Lauren. You would <laughs> never cool. be able to tell. Um, I would never guess that. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, so that's probably... She probably doesn't have isn't connected to anyone uh, from her sub-saharan african or asian ancestry is kind of what i got from the dna doe projects report and so the baby's dna was tested as well but no father was in the criminal system so they compared it with the criminal justice system and the dna that they take uh from criminals and the father was not in there and Yay. yeah so i mean that's good but also sad yeah it's good but the baby's dad just like probably has no idea what happened to him which is really that's horrible. why it's so sad but also it's good that he's not coming he didn't do anything bad yeah <laughs> so when she was found she wore a white pullover short sleeve top a black bra red corduroy pants and black high-heeled open-toed shoes and she was wearing a lot of mascara and lauren this actually reminded me of us as kids because I remember we would pile on mascara in middle school. Did on. Yeah, we just like piled on like half a bottle of mascara every time. So I thought it was funny that the Doe Network mentioned this because that would totally be what someone would describe me as. Like piled on mascara is probably totally. what someone would. Yeah. And what's funny is that like she was probably like our age. Oh, um. I just wanted to say, perhaps she was very passionate about mascara because my family definitely would say, Haley, you put on way too much mascara. Um, I don't know if your family's hold that to you, Lauren. Your family was a little I bit mean, more gentle I feel than like mine. That's also just like a very interesting quality. Like if someone could totally recognize her for having like the lips and like the mascara, mm -hmm. like I feel like that's a very like telling thing. Like you were saying, like I would totally say that about you, and I'm sure my family would say that about me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so definitely something to note. And then another thing is she had red, red nail polish on and a very notable feature is she shaved her eyebrows off and penciled in her eyebrows, which I know was like the thing to do back then. Yeah, so she was very talented like in the makeup department. Yeah, yeah, like she really like put herself together in yeah, that true. morning. Yeah, um, and then she also had a mole on the back of her left hand below the index finger. And some other birthmarks were visible on her face, one being right above her lip. And she had small ovoid scarring on the left knee. I truly have no idea what that means. I'm sorry. Do you know what that means, Lauren? You're smarter small than me. Small ovid scarring? Is it ovoid or I, ovid or ovoid? It's ovoid. Ovoid scarring. Ovoli scarring, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But she had... She had scars on her left knee. <laughs> she had... A, yeah, she had a scar on her left knee. And then she had pierced ears and a scar on her right butt cheek. 
So as I mentioned, she was found behind a high school at 1240 p.m. And the medical examiner estimated that she had died about 12 hours before she was found. And I thought this was interesting because that puts her like right at 12 a.m. being the time of her death. Um, and then also, I can't help but wonder how nobody found like a dead teenager or like young 20-year-old in the parking lot up until 12 p.m. I know it was summertime, but still, like, teachers are always going in and out of schools. Yeah, and not even to mention that the teachers are going there, but, like, when we were in high school, like, we used to go back to that school all the time and just, like, mess around in the parking lot, like, whatever, like, play hide-and-seek. Also, I was on in high school, and I know in July we were in, like, full swing practice, like, and the football players were all there, and I don't know if her high school had any kind of, like, extracurricular stuff or the one she found at, but... Like, kids are there all the time. Yeah, so it's, like, how on earth did no one find her? Because, like, we would get to school, like, 7 a.m., and so that's a really long time. Sometimes earlier than that. I know. also, could it have been on a weekend? Um, you know what? That's a really good question. It was July 18th, so it could have been, like, a weekend, so maybe that's why no one found her until way later. I mean, I'm looking this up, Lauren. This is a great point. (laughs) Um, it was a Friday. Okay, so then that would have meant that people were probably at practice, or maybe not on Fridays, I guess. Yeah, maybe, but I feel like the teachers for summer school would be there. No, yeah. Yeah. Summer school probably got there at 7 when it was too dark to see anything, and then at 12.40 when everyone was leaving, like, to go home after summer school, usually it lasts, like, half a day, mm-hmm. they probably found her. Yeah. Great point. You should be an investigator, my friend. Oh my gosh, asks one good question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was fantastic. I didn't even think well, about that. It's also funny that you invited me on this one because it's like all about a school and like a teacher and she's literally like my height and age maybe. So mm-hmm. this is weird. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. I love cases that I can really like connect to because it makes me like connect more with them and like care more if that makes sense. Not that I care. I don't care about like uh, like John Doe's who are like in their 50s. But just, like, seeing it's younger girls. Yeah, like, seeing That's younger... relatable. Yeah, it's like, that could have totally been me, you know? Yeah, it would be scary. But, like, it makes me think, like, if the her murderer did, like, bring her back here for some reason to the school, like, did he have some kind of, like, link with like, bullies in high school or something where it was, like, a problem or maybe he went to school with her? Yeah. Or, like kill her at the school and she's just like in the wrong place at the wrong time well ma'am we will get to this you will see oh see i'm all interested now <laughs> yes i will i uh long story short you're wrong <laughs> but i will explain <laughs> what happened um evidence at the crime scene suggested that the victim may have been killed elsewhere and her body was moved to the parking lot and some reports said that she had like 16 stab wounds um and there wasn't a ton of blood at the scene and so that's why they think that she was killed elsewhere and then she was dropped off um and so she was not killed in the school parking lot and so the autopsy determined that she did die of those stab wounds unfortunately and unfortunately she was also raped and strangled which is just horrible especially to do to a pregnant woman I just like is so gross to me because she was four to five months pregnant i don't think i said that and you like show because you're kind of in the middle of pregnancy. oh yeah she's like halfway done yeah and so like her killer totally knew she was pregnant most likely and it's just horrible that's so sad yeah it's so sad 
um and there are images of her at the crime scene and luckily it just looks like she's sleeping her face is completely recognizable so if anyone thinks that she could be your family member or friend i do recommend looking at them if you can handle that i know it can be really difficult sometimes i looked at it for a split second and clicked away i didn't throw up or anything i have a really queasy stomach and that's why i don't talk about gory details and stuff because I just mentally can't handle it, but I could handle seeing this image. So if you want to look at it, definitely do if you're comfortable. And so onto the, her killer and his conviction, which is super unique about Jane and John Doe cases. Some, most of them don't have convicted killers, but she does. In 2015, they scraped her fingernails for DNA and they connected her to this serial killer named Wilson Chowest or Chewest. And honestly, his name does not matter because he's a horrible person. But he was convicted of her murder. But unfortunately, so this was in California. And in 1994, I read that they changed the law, but he was not convicted of her unborn son's murder. And I personally just think that's horrible. And I just like cannot wrap my mind around that he could, he just like killed her unborn son that she was like happily carrying. And he just like got away with that too, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, I can understand if she had maybe been like one or two months pregnant but four months like he totally could have like he could totally see like to rape someone and not notice that they were four months pregnant like right he knew you know yeah and some reports say she was five months too so like she was she was you know almost like in her what third trimester and so I don't know I just that is so sad to me that the law changed because all I know is you know god forbid something like that happens like to me but I would want my killer to be convicted of my unborn child's murder I wanted to come on here really fast and give you all some more information about why he was not charged for her baby's death and it's actually because of people v davis in 1994 so in this court case, a the defendant shot the pregnant mother. The pregnant mother thankfully lived, but because of all of her blood loss, she did unfortunately um, give birth to a stillborn baby. And they obviously tried to press charges against the defendant for killing the baby and forcing her to have a stillborn. And because of the Roe v. Wade law, the defendant was able to convince the jury that the fetus was not a human being and therefore it was not murder. And so that's why in this case in 2015, whenever her, uh, the Ventura County Jane Doe of 1980s killer was tried, he was not convicted of the baby's murder. I was gonna say i know like the pregnancy can look different on everybody but like five four months pregnant mm-hmm. like but that could have been a factor in either like i don't want to say anything in favor of her murder or literally serial killer but like if she was a little bit heavier maybe it concealed the pregnancy a little bit but also mm-hmm. to be five months pregnant like you can totally tell yeah definitely yeah it wasn't like, like, like unintentional you... manslaughter it was like you yeah. knew and you like you knew you were killing a fetus when you killed its mom like I totally exactly. understand what you're saying yeah so it's definitely intentional but um oh and and she was five two and so that's like a lot to put on such a small frame 
Exactly. It's literally our height. Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine. But... And so, yeah, that's a really unique thing about this case is we do know the killer. He was convicted. And another unique thing about this case is she was actually connected to the Kern County Jane Doe through their serial killer's DNA. Um, And so he had raped several women and his DNA was connected to all of them. And that's how he was convicted. But these two women in Kern County is um, in another county in California. And yeah, so she's connected to another Jane Doe. And I am going to cover the Kern County Jane Doe in my next episode because she needs to be identified as well. I found conflicting reports that they're testing the Kern County Jane Doe's DNA. Um, but I certainly hope they are, and I assume they will also test her DNA. Maybe Kern County has issues with funding because I know that's always a big concern. Um, but yeah, so I will be covering her next week. And so I'll get into some theories and then I'll go into what's going on today with the case. And then Lauren will cover her, uh, last names that she's connected to. So some theories is she was from Kern County and that's why she was connected to the Kern County Jane Doe. Perhaps the serial killer picked them both up there. What do you think, Lauren? Do you think that's likely? I mean, they're from, if they're going to be in the counties so close near each other, it makes sense. And if it's a serial killer, he's been planning stuff, right? Yeah. And also they say that they, that Wilson or whatever his name is, um, that he moved her body whenever or exactly yeah so he like went and put it in the parking lot so it totally could have been that they died in the same place and then they were found in the different counties yeah i think that's super likely um and then i didn't see this theory but i actually just thought of it what if he put her body there behind the school like sometime during the day and that's why no one saw her True. Yeah. But yeah, so I just I just thought of that. Maybe that's like a likely thing. Like maybe he moved her body. Um, I really haven't looked too much into the Kern County case or the Kern County Jane Doe case. And so I will update you, Lauren, and I'll update the listeners in my episode if um, I see that like in Kern County, her uh she was killed at the scene and then maybe that will kind of solidify the theory what do you think i mean it totally could yeah i mean if it's a serial killer like it's like the world is literally their oyster like they feel like they can do anything yeah or i know from like stuff that i've heard they feel like they're on top of the world and like really will never get caught yeah they're like psychopaths like they have no sense of emotion or anything like that yeah yeah so another theory is that she may have been hitchhiking near the college of sequoias in visalia california i think i'm saying that right and it's unknown if this theory originated from a sighting or if it was just kind of like word of mouth and like rumors um yeah i also feel like i wouldn't if i was her i wouldn't go hiking in open-toed shoes and when i was pregnant you know, I literally didn't even think of that. I'm so happy you're on this episode because you are so such a better critical thinker than I am. And I because <laughs> I mean, if didn't you just think, think that. she was wearing and like the makeup and stuff, like if I was gonna go hiking, I'd be like fresh faced, like ponytail, and like they said she had her long hair down and like was wearing like almost like clothes to go out, like red corduroy pants, her black high heels with open toed shoes, like 
good for her for being like four or five months pregnant and wearing high heels. I know your feet swell a bunch. So yeah, yeah, I really didn't even think of that. So that's probably an unlikely theory. Yeah, you're right. I was gonna say that's that might be likely and I didn't even think about what she was wearing. You should totally be an investigator. You're way better at this. <laughs> I'll just come on and like, uh, debunk all the things <laughs> yeah totally so to catch you all up today in february of 2018 the dna doe project released an announcement that they were using dna to help identify her i actually remember seeing this announcement back in 2018 and i was so pumped because i had been following her case for a really long time since then and i obviously still have been um, but they yeah, announced a long list of last names on Facebook in March 2020 of who she is connected to. And I want to say something before Lauren handles the last name portion. The DNA Doe Project said that 86% of her matches weren't opted in for law enforcement to see her their connections to people. Um, whether that be through GEDmatch or Family Tree DNA Learning Center, that's a different um, database that holds DNA and you can actually get your DNA tested through them. I'm, I don't think you can through GEDmatch. You just have to upload your ancestry and your 23andMe results to GEDmatch. But 86% of her matches did not opt in. So they have no idea where their family member is. Yeah, I mean, like, if if you're literally looking for someone and they say, like, oh, we might be able to find them if you give us your DNA, like, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, exactly. So the closest DNA connection that they could find was four to eight generations back. So it could be, like, her great-great-great-grandpa or something is the closest um, connection. Isn't that insane? I mean, yeah, but so does that mean that um, all of these last names, their DNA is in the system for something? Yeah, so the last names that you're about to do me a huge favor and read are <laughs> people she is connected to, but they're so far away that they don't really know um, who, like that she is. Like they're like, oh, I have no idea if I'm missing an eighth cousin, um, which is yeah, understandable. I mean so I could literally read out her last name in this next list. Yes, you definitely could if it was like her dad's 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 last name. Yeah. Um. So in assuming that she kept her dad's last name too. Um. But yeah, so you definitely could, and assuming she wasn't married. True. If they didn't find a ring or anything, I mean, she's yeah. really young, but she was pregnant. Yeah, and she she's had um she's been pregnant at least once before, they said. It could have been like two or three times too. Mm. Yeah. But okay, Lauren, are you ready to handle this so I don't offend all of my listeners? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna try not to offend anyone either. I have mm. heard from fluent Spanish speakers on multiple occasions that I have a really nice accent. You so do. I'm gonna try, but also it could be spelled wrong. There's like one or two of them that I feel like we should like spell out for people yeah but. yeah that's a good idea all of these were copied and pasted from um like the dna doe project in uh i think it was yeah the doe network so all these are copied and pasted and so if you spell them they should be co correct for people yeah and yeah. also like i mean bottom line is we just want to be able to like give her her name back so mm -hmm. yeah if i you just even have this last name it'd be important yeah and i just didn't want to mess it up so bad that people did, had no <laughs> idea what last name i was even trying to say so that's why i'm gonna have you handle it because you're gonna be much closer okay well here we go okay. the ventura county jane doe heritage 
So from Southern Texas between San Antonio and Brownsville and Northeastern Mexico, we have the last name Bermia, Cantu, Casares, De Leon, Garcia, Garza, Gonzalez, Guerra Canamar, Guevara, Leal. So we're having issues saying this last name um, because of like the two L's make a Y sound rule, which we oh my gosh <laughs> learned in <laughs> which we learned in high school. Um, but it's Q U I N T A N I L L A. So it could be Tania. I don't know Robles, Talamantes, Tijerina, Trevino. Vela and Villarreal and Zuniga. So those are all the ones from Texas and Northeastern Mexico. So next we're going to get into Northern New Mexico and Southern Colorado. We have Cordova, Gallegos, Martin Serrano, Martinez, Montoya, Peralta, and Romero. From California, we have Rios, Uribez, Soto, Lara and Romero. So we have from Central Mexico, Aguirre, Alvarez, Ariga, Alea, Banuelos, Chavez, Escobedo, Esquivel, Perez, Rubio, Sustania, Sus Sustanita, and Zavala. And then from Guatemala, we have Lopez. Just Lopez. Hopefully I did that <laughs> some sort of justice because... Some of those names are really hard, and I do work with a lot of these last names for, like, kids, but none of them are from San Antonio. They're all in, like, the Houston area, but, ah, oh, man, I've just never seen some of these names. Yeah, I think they're probably, like, you know how there's, like, prominent last names in the U.S. from, like, Germany or something? I think it's probably the same for, like, you know, like, these countries that she could have been from. Yeah. Um, like, it might have been just, like, families that immigrated over. Um, and so we just haven't seen most of these last names. It's just crazy. And it's nice. To, I mean, it kind of, like, stays in one section, like, with, like, the Texas and Mexico and New Mexico and Colorado. Like, they're all in kind of, like, the same-ish area, at least mm -hmm. in the United States. Yeah. And then we have Mexico and Guatemala. <laughs> so yeah, it so those ranges. Are, but, I mean, they're still kind of close. <laughs> Yeah, no, it definitely. Not Guatemala, though. <laughs> yeah, it definitely narrows things down. Something that was interesting to me was like in southern Texas, the Guerra, Guerra and Canamar. Guerra. Yeah, um, what you said. <laughs> so those two last names are hyphenated, which, from what I learned about Spanish culture, is you hyphenate like your mother's last name and your father's last name sometimes. Yeah, and so that could be like um like her grandma and grandpa's last names or like obviously like great 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 grandma and grandpa. But if yeah. anyone else has a line of those last names, it you there's a really good chance you could be related. And then Martin and Serrano uh too were hyphenated. Um, and so I wonder if investigators have looked, I'm sure they have, I'm sure they're smarter than me, but I, I'm sure they've looked into, to see, um, like if there's more, a line of people with those last names. Yeah. I mean, like some of these I see really often, so I could imagine that it would be really hard to contact like those families like that. Like even Zavala I've seen before yeah. and like Garcia obviously is a super common and like Garza 
So I feel like it would be really hard to find with those. But some of these are really, or at least I'm seeing them for the first time, like super unique. Yeah, definitely. Like I have not seen um, Escobedo, Escobedo before. Um, no, I haven't seen that. Some of them I really recognize, and then some of these last names I've never seen before. So that could be like a really telling factor. Super easy to like identify your friend or family member if you, by some string of hope, recognized what I said. Mm-hmm. No, I think you did a great job. I totally appreciate you coming on to say that because you are definitely more helpful than I am. Um, and I, yeah, I just totally appreciate you helping me because you know way more than me, Miss uh, Almost Fluent Spanish Speaker. I can understand what people say to me in Spanish, but I cannot speak back like mm-hmm. with the noun verb recognition like flip. Yeah, you probably could have like went in your prime. I remember like you used to speak Spanish all the time um, and you probably in your prime definitely would have been able to survive in like Spain. Oh, no, if you go, like, immerse yourself in the language, you totally do it. Yeah, definitely. But, okay, so for the contact information for this case, you want to contact the Ventura County Sheriff's Department and specifically Detective Kevin Bernzot, B-E-R-N-Z-O-T-T. That's another hard one to say, and that's not even Spanish. Look at me. I'm (laughs) I'm just uncultured. I think that's my issue. Oh my gosh. But the agency phone number is 805-383-8704. And the agency lists the case number, I'm assuming, um, to, you know, decipher which uh, Ventura County Jane Doe it is. But it's 80-12246. And my sources mostly came from NamUs DNA Doe Project and the Doe Network with also um, some Wikipedia information on the serial killer um, who unfortunately killed these young women. But I will be back next week covering the Kern County Jane Doe. And Lauren, I would love to have you on my podcast again soon. Yeah, this was super fun. Thank you so much for having me. I think this is super cool that you started this up. And I'm really proud of you. And I really think you found something that you're really, really talented at. Aw, you're so sweet. Thank you for all of your support. You are just one of the greatest friends I've ever had. And I appreciate you just normally and for coming on here. I mean, I don't know if I pronounce them good either, but yeah. No, you did a great job. I think you did a great job. (laughs) Thank you. I'm really excited to hear about the your next episode about the Kern County Jane Doe again. Thank you. Yeah, I will um, definitely notify you whenever it's published. Oh, I'll get the notification. I got the notifications turned on. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Doe Identify podcast. I will see you all next Thursday.